You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Inspiring women, bold vision, and powerful insights to help you use speaking to build a thriving business. This is Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. Now, for today's show. Welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and today joining me on the show is Anne-Marie Decker. Now, Anne-Marie, she has a diverse background from wanting to be a dancer. She studied ballet and modern dance, and she even had one class with Martha Graham at UCLA. Now, instead, she studied accounting and business computer programming. She has been part of launching an independent television station, and that's where she met her late husband, who was one of the founders, and she worked with him on several film and television productions. And one of them was one of the most watched miniseries, The Thornbirds. Now, she created and published a woman's magazine, Scarlet, which received a couple of awards. Today, she combines all of her experience as a story catcher and narrative coach. And on today's show, anne is going to share with us the importance of having a beginner's mind, or as the Japanese call it, shoshin, and that is a ready mind open to everything. She's going to talk about the importance of being a good listener, as well as asking powerful questions and so much more. Welcome to the show, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Anne-Marie. This is fun. Oh, it certainly is. And I think everything you're going to talk about today is so important as speakers because how we put together and how we present, we create an experience for our audience and we know how powerful storytelling is and we move people through the experiences we create and the wealth and depth of your expertise uh, is such an honor to be able to have you share that but firstly what uh, attracted you what is it is is something that you're so passionate about when it comes to storytelling well it, it really happened from a very young age and i was always interested in listening to what people have to say and it could be any story. It could be a story that they were telling about their family or a story that they believed in. And, you know, as you're young, you don't really know the difference between storytelling as, as, a, as a, relation, a relating to a story that's being told about what happened to somebody, mm-hmm. as well as a story that somebody, they're living in it and they actually believe it. And it wasn't until I was, of course, much older that there is a difference between the two different storytelling. And the storytelling, you know, of telling what happened to you or what happened to a member of your family, that's very much like legacy storytelling. Mm -hmm. The other storytelling is really about, you know, something, a story that you might be telling yourself about maybe a job you don't like or a relationship you're in that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And you start believing that story. So you tell that story over and over again. Yes. And, and. So, you know, it's really amazing the two different stories and how people believe the story they're telling themselves. Yes. I love the way that you've explained both of those um, various aspects of storytelling because I can now see also from what people are sharing and the stories that they've told, our own personal story and journey, if you will, 
can be the impetus or the seed or, or uh, inspiring hope and possibility into someone else's life who is themselves telling a story. Let me give you an example, Anne-Marie. I was speaking to a guest not so long ago and she had gone through horrific trauma and, and abuse as a young child, yet as an adult she'd worked through that. And one of her friends said, you know, you really need to start sharing your stories. There's a lot of women who are struggling, um, you know, being a victim of a horrendous situations. Anyway, eventually she, she shared her story and someone came up to her later and said, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, she said, I was going to take my life, but after hearing the hope and possibility in the story you shared, I know there's hope for me. And I think, you know, if, if that woman, it exactly speaks to what you've said, if that woman hadn't shared her story in a way of a sign and, and of hope and possibility, that audience member may never have been able to even challenge the story that she was telling herself that there was no hope for her. And that's kind of what you're saying, aren't you? It is. And I also call that being a story catcher because what it is is you're catching somebody's story and you're discovering yourself in that story. Yeah. So it's, you know, there is a story catching and there's storytelling. And it's really in story catching is really you're mirroring yourself or you're mirroring in strangers um the mirror of yourself yes so you know the what the story that you just told is really you know she was catching the story of the storyteller mm. and, and that's really important because um you know we and it's really great that's very powerful what what this guest did for her yes. for that yeah you know and sometimes what we could the story we can tell ourselves is that who would want to hear that? How on earth can I inspire someone? Yet, of course, you know, the way in, in which we speak to ourselves can stop us from sharing our story. And I know a lot of women may be listening today that are thinking, you know, my story isn't worthy of being shared on stage. However, mm -hmm. there may be someone or lots of people who uh, need to hear your story. So let's talk in. Uh, let's talk more about having a beginner's mind. And as we mentioned in the introduction, there's a, a Japanese word called, word called shoshin, and that is having a ready mind open to everything. Do, we, do you say that because typically you find that we have a very closed off mind, a very sheltered, narrow mind, that we have to start being open to, to more stories? Or why, why is this so important? To me, it's very important, is, is especially in the experience that I've gone through with losing my husband. Mm. And, you know, I thought I had a very open mind. But when I was going through that, going through a different landscape all of a sudden, you know, suddenly I, I become a different person. I've lost someone. Mm. I am no longer suddenly a wife. I'm no longer a life and partner in life. I'm no longer a partner in business. Um, you know, you tend to sort of um, stay closed in, in what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And when I came across the word Shoshin, I thought, wow, this is really what I need. I need to be open. I need to be more willing to listen to others mm -hmm. and to just, you know, accept, not accept things just willy nilly, but to just learn and see what resonates with me. Yes. And if you don't have that, how can you grow? So true. And as you're saying that, it reminds me of something that I'll often do is have a curious mind. 
be open, yeah. as you say, beginner's mind, be open to other possibilities and to think, think that through. As you started to have more shoshin, that ready mind and, and open to other things, what differences did you notice in your own life and perspective? I really learned how to become a listener. Mm. And being a listener, we all listen or we are hearing things. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily learn to listen. We've never really been taught to listen. And to listen is really to not have any perception in your mind of what the other person is going to say. It's totally be almost as much of 100% you can be to be with that person, to really listen to what that person has to say. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not very often that we do that. I mean, I'm still learning. And, um, you know, it's just to really hear. And, and then the person who is being listened to really feels there's someone who's really understanding me. We're not, you know, listening also means not having an answer ready. Yes. Because sometimes the person doesn't even want an answer. They just want you to listen to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So this is what I learned from having a social mind is, is how to listen and also how to have ask very powerful questions, but questions that doesn't necessarily have to have an answer to them, mm. but to have that other person think further and even or for myself to think more. Yes. Let's dive in a little bit deeper to the being a good listener because, you know, there's a saying that God gave us one mouth and two ears or created <laughs> us that way. And so I think what you've just said is so powerful for us because, powerful for us because as speakers uh, who want to share a story, who want to share a message that makes an impact in the lives of our ideal clients and the, the audience that are there, to uh, really truly understand what's going to be of benefit what really is going to create an experience in which the listeners or the audience are going to be able to take away and implement in their own lives we have to be ready to listen and not assume and share a story that we think well they need to know this but what is definitely going to really speak to their needs so what are some things that you noticed that when you started doing and enabled you to be a good listener without jumping in with a response or assuming that what you were going to say to someone was going to be useful. What were some things that you started to do? What I started to stop doing was to give advice. You know, we all want to give advice because we have experiences. So as we're listening and, be, and become a story catcher, you think, oh, I could tell that person this or they could do that. And it's just to listen and not to give advice. Yeah. The other thing is to avoid judgment. It's really not to judge with what the person is saying. It's their story. It's not your story. And the other thing is to really um, express empathy. Because with empathy, you learn more. You, you, you learn the negative feelings that the other person is, is having. And, and then find out, how could you maybe direct them into something more positive mm -hmm. without giving advice, without having a, a different, you know, just a judgment and, and to just by asking a question to sort of reframe it so that they can look at it differently. And that's what I mean by, by asking a question is not to have the other person necessarily answer you, 
but mm. to make the other person think a little bit more. Yes. I remember years ago, this was before I was in, in podcasting, I was working in the career industry and did counselling, but more for people lost their jobs. So there was a lot of grief and loss going on there. And I remember learning that we do not have to have the answer for everything. In fact, no. don't assume that you'll ever and it, ever have the, the answers. And it was such a relief because so often when someone is sharing their story, they're talking to us, we immediately go into the brainstorming, the problem-solving mode. But mm -hmm. what you've just reminded us of is really have the empathy there, not to give advice, but rather just allow them to express what they need to and then have some great questions that you can then um, prompt you know, ongoing conversation. Let's talk about some of those questions because the best question often is an open-ended one, isn't it, where uh, you allow the other person to continue speaking. Do you have some favourite powerful questions that are your go-to questions? Oh, I, you know, I wish I could think of one right now. <laughs> I, I want to sort of um, take people to a book that is absolutely gorgeous to learn about learning how to ask questions. And the book is called A More Beautiful Question by William Berger. And it is really beautiful in that in it, he writes about people having asked questions differently. It is, um, for instance, um, uh, the, uh, what is that uh, camera? The um, Polaroid, Polaroid camera. So the person who invented the Polaroid camera, it was really about he was taking a picture of his daughter, and his daughter was wondering, why couldn't she see the photograph right now? Mm -hmm. You see, he had no answer for that. But then he thought about it, and he thought, well, what if we could see the photograph immediately? And then he started to, you know, try to innovate, just to, and then came up with a Polaroid camera. And so in that book, it is, there's, a myriad of different ways to ask questions mm -hmm. and and that's what I love about it it's, it's just asking questions to make the other person think wow. it's you... not to not to say oh do I make a left turn or do I make a right turn or will I will we have a meeting next week yes. you know I mean we need to ask those questions as well of mm -hmm. course mm -hmm. but if you're if you're really wanting to help someone who who really needs to be listened to is to sort of listen to what they have to say and then ask a question through that conversation that wants that person to think deeper. Yes. And, you know, and it's not about us having to know the answer. Oh, absolutely. Can you say the name of the book again and the author? Absolutely. It's called A More Beautiful Question by William Berger, and that's B-E-R-G-E-R. Fantastic. That'll be such a great resource. Because as you're sharing that, I mean, in a presentation or if someone is, is presenting, uh, having some fantastic questions and just a pause will allow people to start to think, you know, bring it to themselves and, and, and hone it to their specific situation. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it, storytelling is really creating an environment in which people can seek out and, and come up with answers for themselves and you're like the host of a, or, um, you know, you're taking them on a journey. So when you're thinking about storytelling and then story catching, what are some examples that perhaps maybe you've used in a certain way that 
you've really, it's enabled you really to shift someone's perspective, even if it's just slightly that they've opened up their mind to have more shoshin. What are some great examples? I'm, I'm sure you have a few. I, I do. And, and what I actually also do is I have a tool called Points of View. And Points of View is a tool that has three different tools, but this one particular tool is called the coaching game. And I use that quite a lot. It has images and words. And the two of them really connect both sides of the brain. So when someone wants to tell a story or they're stuck in a story and I want to ask a question, but I don't necessarily feel that they're ready to ask a, to be asked a question, I will bring this out and I will ask them to sort of find an image, but I, I don't have them look for the image. I, I have the cards upside down mm. and they, they just pick a card and then they find the image and I will ask them to maybe could they retell the story through that image or through the word. And it's it's amazing. It's truly, you know, they're they're um in a way shocked by how they then retell their story. Mm-hmm. And I am so surprised at the difference in the story. Yes. And it is very, very powerful. And, um, and also sometimes what happens is they really find a way of having a different perspective on what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it's something that you have to sort of experience. It's, I'm telling you, you know, what I, what I experience with them, but that's really what, um, what I find that I use as a tool for people when I want to ask a question that I use that, that they can really see something very different that it gives them a different perspective on yes. their, on their, um, on their story. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm yeah. trying to say. And, you know, as you're, you're sharing that, I'm almost imagining it. And I think, you know, allowing someone using different tools, if you will, it's such a great reminder that everyone is different. And so someone who may be stuck in even formulating some words and putting it together through having a prompt from an image or a word, because I would imagine the image is more the creative side where the word is more the logical. So you've given someone two opportunities to see which one is going to stimulate a, a, res, a better response and have them start to speak that through. Do you find that once someone has then gone uh, gotten over that initial stuckness and the words start to flow, that from there things start to uh, fall into place more, if you will, whilst there was confusion there previously, maybe then they're able to piece the stories together and, and make sense of things. Is that sort of what you start noticing when someone's working through this activity, if you will? I do. And I, I'm actually also, um, what I find is that they are shocked more so than I am because I've used the tool several times. Yeah. But there, to them is something totally unexpected yes. and totally unanticipated. And, and it is because they suddenly, you know, when they see the image and word, they have to think, how does this relate? To their story and the image may have nothing to do with the story at all mm. but I make them concentrate on the image 
to sort of say, what does this image, how does this image relate to your story? And, and then, you know, how does the word relate to your story? And we're using all these brains, you know, waves in our, in our brains. And, and mm. suddenly it's just, everything is open. That's suddenly you have Shoshin. Yes. <laughs> suddenly it's just you at the beginning mm. of, of, of your story again. Yeah. You know what I love about um, the the sequence, if you will, of, of your uh, information that you've shared, like having a beginner's mind, having that ready mind, be open to everything shoshin, as we now know it, it is called in Japanese, then being a good listener and asking powerful questions. If we think about many of the people who are going to be listening, they're going to be presenting a story or a presentation, a speech. And so often what we do is we don't even prepare our audience to be open to possibilities because you know so often some people may be in the audience because they have to be if we're presenting for an organization who's told staff members you need to be there so I think by starting off your presentation through sharing some stories or some techniques that you've just been sharing we bring everyone into the room and, and creating that atmosphere and environment of maybe I'm here and this could be beneficial for me and and supporting them and having a ready mind and being open to everything. Are there some things that you have seen or maybe done yourself that enables you to bring someone to the point where they are less closed minded and more open to having a, a you know a, a ready mind and being open to listen? Yes, I, I actually just recently had that because it was someone who picked an image and it was it was an ugly image i have to say and she just you know it's something triggered yes. something totally triggered and she said oh i i don't want this i don't want to have anything to do with this image at all I, this is this is not what i want to do so what we did was what was the trigger mm -hmm. and and she had to think about it and I said, so how does that trigger relate to your story? And so she was able to go back to that. And, and then I asked her, I said, if you don't like that image, now that we've gone through the trigger, you are allowed to find another image and see if you like that one better. Mm -hmm. But then how do the two of them, how can you combine the two of them? And it's, it's quite interesting because once we had gone through what the trigger was mm -hmm. and how it, she didn't want it to relate to her story, but she could then find a way to relate to the story. The second image almost became, you know, secondary. Yes. It, 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 um, something had awakened her yeah. to that. She had to think further than just what she was stuck in. Yes. Yes. You know, it's interesting, and one of the words I think that you mentioned in that, which is key, that we need to be aware of, is that it was related to her. Again, we go back to the point of view is of, you know, what's relative, what's relatable to that person, whether we're speaking to someone, you know, one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. and maybe even if we're speaking to a number of people, we want to share a story or bring something into the presentation that enables us to be relative to, to have what we're going to talk about relative 
to them. And I think sometimes doing that in front of a group of people who you've got lots of different personalities and lots of different stories, Mm -hmm. quite difficult. Is there something of technique that you can suggest or maybe we can brainstorm one to think, how can we do this from a one-to-one person like you've done with that image to maybe if there's a number of people in the, the audience, is there a technique that we can use if there are a number of people? Well, what I what I normally try to do, if I'm speaking in front of a group, I really don't know them. Yeah. And but I always try to find out why are they there? What is the reason that they wanted to hear me speak or hear any of the speakers speak? I like to know that in advance. I mean, you know, if you're in a group and there's a hundred people in the audience, there's no way you're going to find out. And you know, if we if we reach one third of the hundred people, I think we do really well. Yes. But what I try to do is in my presentation is sort of once I know why we're all put together, mm-hmm. what are some of the other speakers you know, what they're going to be talking about. I don't need to know exactly what the, but their, what their subject is. Then what I do when I put my piece together is think of how can I bring all of that together? And then I will use that tool on myself. And anybody could actually do that. You, you know, you could, you could go to a magazine and find images and just what speaks to you and just how will it help you make your presentation? So your your presentation is not just about advice. Mm -hmm. Your presentation is not just about your perspective. Your presentation is not just about having a judgment out there. You know, it goes back to that again, where you could use that. And and that is is sort of what I use for Mm -hmm. myself, is to try and find a way to bring this out in people so I may be able to reach more people by you know not just about the topic that I want to talk about yeah it's so true and as and again as as um, you're sharing that what I what I often do and this is what I love about uh, interviewing so many incredible guests such as yourself on this podcast and and many others is uh, as you speak I run that through my mind and think how's that relevant to me how can I use this to do what I'm uh, doing and, and take it to the next level and I think often when we're sitting down to present or, or to put together our presentation, as you say, we will often go from what we know, our advice, um, our perspective, what's happened to us so effectively, the judgments that we've had or, or made. Yet if we have that beginner's mind and allows to and allow ourselves to think a little bit you know, bigger and, and deeper, if you will, from what is the expectation, who else is speaking, that may just allow us to share an example or ask some questions that will allow our information to really impact people on, on such a, a, a deeper level. And I think also too what you remind us of is that some people re- respond better to images, some words. So I think within our presentation, how we speak, the words we use, um, the images that we use, if we're using them, are so important because if we only focus on only images or only words, we may completely negate or not not reach out to and impact and influence a whole section of the audience, yes? That's that's true. And, and actually, it's very interesting you're bringing that up because there is a um, system called Emergenetics 
And in Emergenetics, what we learned is who is analytical, who is conceptual, you know, who's more creative. And you have to try in your, in your presentation to, to reach each one of them, yes. which is really difficult. Okay. But, okay. you know, if you, if you don't, if you're only creative, you're going to lose all the analytical people. And so you have to think of, you know, what is something that I can give in data to people? What is it I can give in creativity to people? What can I give to people who are more conceptual and or who are more organized mm -hmm. so that you can reach as many people as possible? Because there will be, like you said in, in, you know, in your story earlier about one of your guests, there will be a word, there will be a sentence, there will be something that triggers mm -hmm. that person who then says, I am so glad I was here yes. to hear what you had to say, because it really, it really reached me. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So as we said, as a presenter, as a speaker, we need to have that shoshin, we have to have that ready mind, be open to everything, that expansive um mindset if you will we have to be so good at listening what's going on behind what people are saying because once we continue to really listen and observe and and not you know immediately give advice or, or jump to conclusions that means that that will allow us to, to to provide information images that fit across all of those four categories that you've just shared um, so that mm -hmm. our presentation not only impacts one small group of the audience, but rather the broader group because we've incorporated something into the way that we've shared our story that created an experience that's relevant to that particular person and has allowed him or her to, uh, to really benefit in the best possible way to, to the information that you're sharing. And Marie, we could talk about this, but we've only just scratched the surface, okay. I know. But you know, it's one of those things, unless we know something, then we're not aware of it. And now of course people can find out a little bit more about each of the things that you've said if they really want to adopt that into how they're presenting and even putting together their presentation. So share with us, if you will, how can people connect with you? What is the best way for them to do that? Okay, they can connect with me through my website. It's called fourlovescoaching.com and it's spelled F-O-U-R-L-O-V-E-S coaching.com. And there I will you have a few things. I I'm I'm a very different kind of person. I, I do things differently. I don't really give things away, but I do give things away by they can get in touch with me. And I'm willing to connect because I think connection is so important. With people. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, it's they can connect, I can set up a time where they can have 15 minutes to just talk with me and see what what more they would like to find out. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you for connecting with us today, sharing your story and what you've shared, I think uh, is just so invaluable and will allow us to really take what we're doing, incorporate some of these important elements and influence and impact so many more people, which we know all of uh, the people who are part of WSA. That is our mission. That is what we're here for. So thank you so much once again for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's been such a pleasure to be sitting here and talking with you. 
You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free Speaker Success Plan at SpeakerSuccessGift.com. 